Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, everybody? Gorgeous George Angos reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. Second show of the week. Excited to spend the next hour with you as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Uh, we have a couple of guests still from our radio row run this past week during International Fight Week. Josh Emmett, Raul Rosas. We have those interviews for you. We're going to talk about some of the latest news, including the Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou matchup. And, of course, uh, this weekend, there's more fights, man. Holly Holm is right back at it. A former champion in the Bantamweight division and also a title challenger at 145 pounds. She's now trying to make her move because, as you all know, Amanda Nunes is gone. And so we have uh, a vacancy there at 135 pounds, and I guess technically at 145 pounds, but we're worried about the Bantamweight division right now. She takes on Maida Bueno Silva in the main event of UFC on ESPN 49. And we'll be right back to get this whole show started. What's going on, goes All right. So listen, uh, I forgot to mention during the intro there, we'll be talking to Michael Rosenthal as well. Because as I mentioned, the big news so far this week is on October 28th, Francis Ngannou and uh, Tyson Fury are going to be boxing in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And so as the details are a little slow and still coming in, what we've been able to get out of this is 10 three-minute rounds, not 12, 10 three-minute rounds uh, using traditional boxing rules, so no four-ounce gloves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, our guy, Francis Ngannou, kind of got what he he wanted, Um, a big payday versus the top, heavyweight boxer in the world in Tyson Fury. Your reaction, goes. Well, I think he won. You know, he got... I think if he just would have landed the the fight with Tyson Fury, we would have all went, wow, you know, hats off. Salute. But uh, on top of that, he was able to, you know, land the deal with the PFL in the manner in which he landed it. It's not just, I'm fighting for PFL. You know, he's got roles in there. I think this dude, uh, I think he hit a 10, man. I mean, pretty much everything he wanted, he got. Mm-hmm. And he's getting paid. Even though he's stressed that it wasn't about money, I saw an interview that his manager did today where they talked about money, the big bag that he got, that it's going to be way more than he's ever made in the UFC, all of his fights combined. So... In the end, we are going to give him credit for pulling off this caper that does result in a in a huge payday, which is, I think, what we all thought he wanted. He said he just wanted the freedom 
to box and fight mixed martial arts. All right, now look, I don't want to rain on the parade. I also feel like he came out winning. However it goes, okay, he is boxing, and he's boxing Tyson Fury for a lot of money, which, again, he said isn't really his main motivator. But not being in the UFC, let's just focus on that. You're in PFL, but you're not in the UFC. Doesn't that still sting a little? No, because what more could he have reached? He was the heavyweight champion. He cleaned, well, I don't know if you could say he cleaned out the division because in heavyweight, there's just always somebody there. Mm -hmm. But at the time he walked away, there was no doubt he was the top dude. Yeah, I mean, he did have the one title defense against Cyril Gaon. Uh, it would have been nice to see him deal with Sergey Sergei Pavlovich. And it also would have been nice to see him fight Steve Miocic a third time to settle the trilogy. And it sure would have been nice to see him versus John Jones. Now, the John Jones one, I think, makes sense. That one I can give you. Pavlovich, it wasn't until the last fight where I think we were all like, wow, this guy is something. And Steve Miocic was a fireman when he left. You know, like they had already, in a way, he helped him settle that. He just wasn't in the public light. So, but yeah, I mean, John Jones, that that would be nice. Um, but I don't know that it keeps him up at night. I know that's true. Um, I don't know. I, I'm happy for him. Look, dude, I really am happy for him. But I just thought he really had a chance to cement something in MMA, which is the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think he. He had a chance. If he beat Jones, if he settled the trilogy with Miocic, and if he beat the rising up-and-comer Pavlovich, I think it would have been pretty historical because he would have tied Miocic for four title defenses. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Miocic. He would have beat the GOAT in John Jones. Um, And I think John Jones would have been a stadium fight. And I think one of those would have been in Africa. Now, again, he's going to Saudi Arabia. He's going to box. I don't think I'm going to try and even convince you that it's going to be a great boxing match. I really don't think it's going to be. I think France is going to swing pretty hard and, you know, maybe something lands. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be too exciting for too long. I think after a while, the other guy is just going to be too talented and he'll run away with it. Right. I don't, I don't know if he'll knock him out or, or just, I'll outpoint them, right? I just don't expect too much. But the one thing about heavyweights is um, that power. That power kind of offsets everything. But I was thinking about it. I've been thinking about it since the news kind of broke these, you know, these last few days. And I'm, I'm still just wondering if there isn't something there that, uh, you know, isn't being left behind. I mean, I, I know he can go to PFL. I get it, man. I know he can fight Redoom or someone. But I still think that right now, like, all respect the boxing, but it just seems like the UFC is it when it comes to combat sports. And being the heavyweight champ, man, if you can have a run of that for, like, three years, just being the guy, I feel like he might have missed out on that. Maybe, but I mean, I, I just think he hit the pinnacle there. Uh, he reached 
the highest you could reach. He was the heavyweight champ, and now he's moving on to something else. And on, aside from that, he's maybe maybe we're not looking as big as we need to with uh, what he's done as far as changing the game, right? Isn't this now something that looking back on 10 years from now or something, we might go, man, the game really changed when Francis made that move, right? He How did it change? He proved that there is life outside the UFC. Like the UFC can bully you all they want mm-hmm. and tell you you're missing out, you're doing this and this and that, but he was still able to get that gigantic payday. Uh, we don't know yet what his role, how that's going to work with the PFL and mm-hmm. fighting for uh, for fighter rights. That could turn into something. He might make waves there in that regard. We don't know. And his legend just grows bigger and bigger. You know, that spotlight with boxing is pretty big because there is a group of people that are still out there that aren't really mixed martial arts fans, but are diehard boxing fans that are now going to see him and hear his story. Well, what's he doing here? You know, this isn't the old man that we're used to seeing. Why is this dude here? And we're going to look at that. We're going to say, holy shit. Okay. This guy kind of played things a little differently. And maybe fighters won't be as scared to do these types of things now. He 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 might have been he might be a spark. Maybe, but he's pretty special in that he was the heavyweight champion from a part of the world that looks like it's about to explode, you know, Africa meaning. And you know, he had a great look, he had great highlights. So I don't think just anyone can pull this off, but um I think maybe if he beats Fury, I think maybe then I I will say, wow, okay, it's complete. And now that's pretty cool to be, you know, like when you beat the top heavyweight in the world in boxing and you were the top heavyweight in MMA, that's pretty historical. But I still think, I don't know. I don't know. I You know, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying... Like, I, I was just thinking about how, how cool last weekend's UFC was, right? And seeing all those celebrities in attendance, those athletes in attendance, the buzz around it. Like, the UFC is just such a big deal, man. And um, and and Francis is a big deal. I mean, he was the best. And, and I'm glad he's going to get paid. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 here's what I'm trying to say. What would make you he, happy? I, That's got to be the question. If what he just would have stayed with the UFC and they would have let him, kind of like what the UFC did and said, hey, Fury, come fight Francis over here. Like if he, if Dana White would have had that excitement to how he wanted to get Fury and John Jones together, if he would have had that excitement to just do Nganu versus Fury, get involved somehow on the boxing side, let the guy do what Connor did, and then bring him back and keep him as the heavyweight champion of the world. In the UFC, okay, back to business. You fought Fury, you know. Now, granted, yes, I know the UFC has to have their hand in the cookie jar for that. It's not like they let Connor go for free. Um, but you know, all the parties seem to come out of that pretty happy. So, I just wish that could have somehow been worked out. The only thing that bothers me is him not fighting John Jones. Yeah, I think I think that would have. You know, at the end of the day, part of me doesn't give a shit. You know, John Jones to me is a light heavyweight. He went up, he fought one guy at heavyweight. He did good. 
All right. But who's to say in the next fight he doesn't look terrible or we, we don't know. This is true. Um, so that, that doesn't bother me yet. It might bother me further down the line. But uh, that's really the only thing, man. I, I think what he's done is, is pretty damn remarkable. I think he had to eat a lot of shit from a lot of people for months about how there's nothing scarier than making big decisions in your life. And it's mm-hmm. got to feel even worse when everybody's looking down on it and telling you you made the wrong decision. Uh, I think what this dude did was very, very brave. And and who knows? Maybe it leads to something. Maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe other fighters just say, well, that was That's just the anomaly. That's just it. I think for me to accept that it was a success, I think I still need to see a, f- a few more results. But it was so, so far. Cash so far, it is. He, he's on his way. But I need to see what's he going to do for the PFL. Is he going to bankrupt them, or is he going to take them to a next level? Him leading the way to Africa is that going to be a success, or or what's it going to be? I want to see that. How's he going to do against Fury? Um, you know, like I remember we asked Randy Couture one time, "Hey, who do you think would be a good good uh, matchup for him?" He goes, "I think Ante Delia." And at the time, Ante Delia was there. 2022 champ um you know a solid guy i think he was a finalist one year and a champion one year and now all of a sudden he's just out of the playoffs so really there's that that matchup is gone right now Radoon's fighting jds in that game red mma you know what if he loses to him is that now an attractive matchup for francis so like when francis arrives to pfl what's he gonna do just kind of smash everyone like um it it's you know like that that part i think will just kind of be a waste of francis i think i don't know that's why i want to see what happens when he gets there and maybe completes this whole cycle whereas somehow if the ufc and francis would have gotten to that point where dana white was so excited that he was talking to fear about fighting jones in the ufc which obviously we didn't want that and we know francis or jones smashes him in the ufc but just kind of that backing if they could have just somehow maybe got to that a little earlier um, but kept them in the UFC. That that that's probably the part that I I'm still ticked off about. But what if he loses that fight? Then he gets Which a one? big pay- he gets a big paycheck. It's not a major paycheck like what he's getting now. He gets that, and that's it. The UFC's done with him. The UFC says well, he you know says what? it's not about the money though. Yeah, but for us it is, isn't it? Isn't that the mean? whole point of what he's doing? Look, I want you to do something for a second. Don't be George Garcia. Be George Ngannou. If he were your brother, mm-hmm. are you telling me you wouldn't be shaking his hand, going crazy right now, going, holy shit, bro, you're fighting the fucking baddest man on the planet in boxing. Mm-hmm. You're going to cash what the manager said was more than he's ever made. Now, you know, you can't really take mm-hmm. that uh, to the bank when somebody says that. But you know what? We've seen yeah, that part. That part's pretty him. cool. That but part's pretty cool. That. But it... So the thing, aren't Francis you telling them, bro? You, every you time you bring right? up money to him, he he's almost quick to almost get mad at you for bringing that up, and he emphasizes that it's not about that; it was about the freedom. Which mm-hmm. okay, if we focus on the freedom, you got what you wanted. You wanted Tyson Fury in boxing. All right, cool. We're gonna watch that. I don't think it's gonna go good. Well, let's say I'm, I'm George Ngannou. Yeah, I'll stand by my brother and go. He's gonna get him. He's gonna pull it off. I I, I just don't think it's gonna no, go no. good. Uh, don't stand. Don't stand as far as whether he's gonna win or not. It's just what he accomplished. I think if you were George Ngannou, you'd be saying, fuck yeah, bro. You know what? You got your freedom. You're, you've are you signed with another uh, MMA organization. You already were the top dog in the other one. 
now you're fighting for a gigantic purse in boxing. You may mm-hmm. have been the spark for every other fighter in the world. You kind of sat down a company that's used to putting their foot on everybody's neck. You walked away from that. I would be high-fiving my brother right now going, you're the man, bro. Well, Whether you get Nate mocked Diaz, up in boxing or not. Nate Diaz kind of did that before, Francis, in, in terms of running out the clock. And now he's free. He's fighting Jake Paul. And even he's already kind of even talking about, man, really the bigger fight that awaits me is the Connor fight in the UFC. But, uh, you know, he didn't, he probably didn't get as big of a bag to fight Jake Paul as Francis Ngannou probably got to fight uh, Tyson Fury. And he didn't so, win a title in the UFC. Um, plus, I've seen other guys leave the UFC, but not under the Zufa era, I don't believe. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, Randy left under the Zufa era. Um, and it was great, you know. Like, like I say, he he. Met, I, I guess he didn't really go to Pride necessarily. Um, he's the one that I think. Really, what did he say? He uh, resigned. Remember, he used the words "resigned." Um, you know, I seen Dan Henderson leave the UFC one time after he lost to Anderson Silva. Then he went to Strikeforce, won a title, and then he came back. Uh, Strikeforce was cool. Don't get me wrong. A few of those guys kind of did that. And not on their t- well, no. Actually, Dan Henderson was was on his own terms. So, um, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess I guess I'll be even more impressed in about a year. What I'm really anxious to see is the fighter advocacy. What will he be able to be p- pull off there? But to, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Without disrespecting PFL, I was more interested to see what he could do with that for the UFC fighters, not necessarily for the PFL, because the PFL seems to be a pretty fighter-friendly organization. So mm-hmm. it won't shock me for him to see, for him to make these headways. Like him demanding $2 million for his, for his opponent, I always thought that was kind of pretty cool. Um, but I think, I've also... I think he's already done it, George. I think he's already what? done it, because if you're a heavyweight, right, now you're, I don't know, we're just going to say you are George Rothwell, mm-hmm. and you're a free agent. Don't you go, holy fuck, I can go over to the PFL and mm-hmm. instantly I'm making millions. I think he's already done that. I think his what he did will have an effect on UFC fighters. Because if you're a UFC heavyweight, you now have the opportunity when your contract is up to say, either you guys give me some good money and promise me a couple things, or I'm going to PFL and taking a fight with Francis Ngannou. I'm guaranteed millions. Okay, but that's just UFC heavyweight free agents. That's it. That's not right, light heavyweight, middleweight. It is. It's something. I'm just like I say. I, I um. You got to be happy. You got to find a way to 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 be happy. Otherwise, well, I'm I'm a big money guy, so I'm happy for him in that regard. But he always dismissed it that it wasn't about the money. But I think I think it kind of was, to be honest. And so that part does make me happy that he's going to go out there and fight. I and I appreciate that he used to box before he fought MMA, so he gets to realize that dream before he's. 50 years old, he gets to do it kind of in his prime. The only part that I'm saying that just kind of sucks is when it's all said and done, he goes to PFL where there's not really good competition awaiting awaiting him instead of coming back to the UFC where awesome competition awaited him. But the UFC didn't want to play ball. He made his decision. You know, I, I like I say, I just wish somehow there could have been, uh, you know, so, all this could have happened and him returned to the UFC. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Maybe PFL buys Bellator, and Bellator and PFL now becomes you know stronger. And um, I don't know. Um, 
I'm hearing that PFL tour is a lot closer than we think. Is it really? Mm-hmm. So Vader comes over. I, I wouldn't mind watching Francis versus Vader. Vassell. Um, I can't remember who else they have still. They got that Steve Mowry. They got um they got Daniel James. They got um one other heavyweight. I, I can't remember. They still got Vitaly Minikov. But they don't have that many heavyweights. But, you know, between them and I guess PFL, whoever winds up winning their title, maybe they'll, maybe they got something that gets things started. But um, that payday is pretty impressive. Well, no, no, I don't know what it is. But according to Markel, his manager, Markel Martin, I believe his name is, he's going to make more in this fight than he did in any of his fights or all of his fights in the UFC combined. So we, um, mm. I I guess for some reason I just think twenty million is probably what he's gonna make. That's just my guess. Oh, I think it's gonna be way more than that. Really? Yeah. I think it's gonna be a lot more than that. Well, how much do you think it's gonna be? Uh, I bet you when it's all said and done, because remember, there's what what he gets on paper, and then there's probably gonna be what he pulls in in pay per view. I think it's mm-hmm. gonna be a massive pay per view. So I bet you he walks away with eighty million from this fight. No way. Yeah. Six million. Sixty minimum, I think. Yeah. Um I I mean if he does, that would be quite I impressive. Mean, look, look what the regular heavyweights generate. You know, they they generate pretty big bucks. I'll have to see what the latest is in terms of what these guys get paid um in boxing. Like maybe I'll see if I can pull up Deontay Wilder versus um Tyson Fury. I imagine that was a pretty big one back in the day, about three years ago. But all right, our first guest is ready to go, Michael Rosenthal. He is a colleague of ours from Boxing Junkie. And just like we have MMA Junkie, for those that don't know, we have Boxing Junkie. We also have uh, Wrestling Junkie. So check it out if you're a fan of other combat sports and you want to be in touch with them. He's uh, been with them for a few years now. And we're going to come back and talk to him. So stand by. We'll be right back with Michael Rosenthal. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes, always delivering the big names in combat sports. Our colleague, Michael Rosenthal, joining us here from the boxing junkie side. We're going to discuss... Fury versus Nganu, which just got signed a few days ago. Welcome back, Michael. How are you? Good, good. Pleasure to be with you guys, as always. All right. Thank you. The pleasure's ours. And so what did you think this whole time as as this fight was slowly, possibly developing? Was this something you were pumped up about at all, you know? Or, or was it something that just, I guess, is more of a sideshow or whatever, however you might want to describe it? Yeah, if you want to word it that way, that's exactly what it is. It's a sideshow. It's but it's a big business sideshow. You know, from a you know, as a boxing fan, I'm disappointed. Um, here's a guy, Tyson Fury, he's at the peak of his abilities. Uh, he should be fighting the best heavyweights in boxing, not not fighting crossover guys. But uh from a business standpoint, I get it. Um, like I keep saying, you know, from 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 that side of things, it makes a lot of sense. Then they're gonna make a fortune. But from a competitive standpoint, it's 
it's kind of ridiculous, really. But uh, I think I think most fans, whether they're boxing fans or MMA fans or a combination of both, they're pretty savvy. I think they know. I think they just see it as a fun as a fun fight. And if you don't get that it's a mit- boxing mismatch, then uh, hopefully you'll get it before the fight. A couple questions here, and I know that the details are a little scarce. We're hearing 10 three-minute rounds. And then as far as whether it's a professional fight or exhibition, we're still not sure. But really, does that only just boil down to whether uh, Nganu can get a ranking so that he can win the title? or Because the money's the money, right? You know, I hadn't thought about the title, to be honest with you. That's an interesting concept. Uh, and I also sort of couldn't figure out whether it was an exhibition or a real fight. Um, I kind of assume it's a real fight because they didn't say otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that. Uh, you know, in boxing, it doesn't matter if you're ranked. If you if you beat the champion, you're the champion. So if this is a real fight, and I, <laughs> that's really crazy, actually. I hadn't thought about this. And, and Ganu manages to beat him somehow, I guess he's takes his title you know that's you know what i'm gonna have to really look into that after we after this podcast and uh, and figure that out to be honest with you does it have to be so a championship fight doesn't have to be 12 rounds either it can be oh 10. i'm sorry yeah it does it's well it's supposed to be 12 rounds so yeah it does have to be 12 rounds so this one's okay this one's definitely 10 rounds yeah yeah it's 10 rounds three minutes and he has no professional boxing matches so he hasn't gotten a ranking yet and uh so that that might preclude it from being a championship fight maybe that's the way around it mm-hmm. you know because they could now that guess they could make it a real sanctioned fight but it wouldn't be for a championship it has to be 12 rounds october 28th in riyadh saudi arabia um i guess why why do you think fury can't just i mean there's like a nice circle of uh of um, heavyweights available for him. You know, I don't remember all their names, but I think there's Usage, and I know he's done Wilder a few times, and uh, the other Brett, Anthony Joshua and Ruiz. Like, why couldn't he somehow stick to that? Like, we kept hearing him attached to other names, which made this fight unlikely. And then, uh, but, you know, I I know he's even entertained retirement, but what's kind of been going on over there? This is kind of a, a larger problem in boxing. Um, I think when guys get near the top, they uh, they have their demands. They you know they had their idea of what they're worth, and then they make those demands during negotiations. And uh, sometimes, a lot of times, they just can't you know find a meeting point. Uh, that's why it took several years for Terence Crawford and Errol Spence to be made. That's why it took so long for Mayweather and Pacquiao to be made. Um, it's all just the negotiations and guys just don't want to budge. And Fury's got a ton of leverage. He's the guy at heavyweight. Um, I mean, some might argue that Usyk's the best heavyweight. I don't think he is, but Fury's still the guy, you know, in terms from the business side. And so he's demanding what he's demanding and guys either accept it or they don't. And I guess they just haven't. Uh, but you mentioned Anthony Joshua. The talk is, is that, uh, Fury might fight Joshua in at the end of the year. So it looks like that Mm. might happen. That would be an enormous fight in boxing. Yeah. Um, the only way I really thought our guy, the MMA guy, had a chance was when Fury entertained using four-ounce gloves. And I thought, okay. You know, I mean, we both know that at heavyweight, a lot can happen. I mean, old Conor McGregor got one in on Floyd that I remember was an uppercut. But in, at the heavyweight division, that can really, really possibly turn someone's lights out. What do you see happening here? Is it going to be 10-ounce gloves? And, and do you, 
what kind of a chance do you give Nganu, uh if any? Yeah, it would be big gloves. They wouldn't use MMA gloves. At least I don't think Fury would do that. That would just be dumb. You know, he could get a really bad cut or, cut or something like that, <clears throat> excuse me, which could screw up, you know, future fights. Um, you know, in a heavyweight fight, you know, Ngannou is a big guy. He's a big puncher. Who knows? He could land a punch and uh, and and win by knockout. It's a possibility. But it just seems like the longest of long shots, like a million to one. I mean, Fury's the best there is. He's the best there is. Best in the game. He's also at his peak right now. Uh, he's bigger than than Engano. Um, he's a he's a really physically strong guy. He's a hard puncher himself. So I just I just don't I think that Engano and all things being equal, unless Fury decides he wants to carry him for a while, uh, which I, which I think Mayweather did in the, in, against uh, McGregor to some degree. I think right. otherwise, I think he just it's just a, a utter silly mismatch. Uh, and again, if people get that, they still want to buy it. That's great. You know, knock yourself out. It'll probably be fun to watch. But it's not a good fight competitively. It's it's a total mismatch. As a matter of fact, it really shouldn't be sanctioned. You know, they shouldn't even allow it to happen, to be honest. But when there, I guess where there's a where there's a demand, they could make it happen. Michael, all those names George laid out in the boxing world. Can you kind of give us an idea? What is the difference in in payday here? You know, what, like how much more would he make if he fought one of those guys or how much less? Can you kind of give us a ballpark of what that looks like on the Fury end? To be honest with you, I'm not sure. What is, do you know what he's supposed to make in this, in this, whatever this is? I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, you know, I'm going to guess since there's so much money, you know, in Saudi Arabia that it's probably similar. Um, you know, that's probably one of the main reasons that Fury took it. Listen, these other fights aren't happening. Um, he's, he's, again, he's at his peak. He wants to make a living. He wants to stay active. If he could make 20, $30 million, which maybe is, that's the kind of money we're talking about here. And for something where there's almost no risk, it's almost like a no brainer. I think it kind of makes him look bad in a way because, you know, he's a boxer and he's fighting a guy who's got no chance. Who's not even a boxer. So it kind of looks bad, but it's going to make a, it's going to make the same money. Maybe, um, I don't know. I think if he fights Joshua again, that's been brewing for a long time. You know, he could make 50, 60 million more, more than that. in that fight. So maybe he would make more, but we're talking huge sums of money either way. So whose industry do you think these type of fights, it affects more because on the MMA side, what he's going to get for something like this is going to pay him way more than what he would get fighting in the UFC and in the boxing world. Well, I think if other fighters see something like this, like you said, kind of, I mean, no disrespect, but kind of an easy night's work and still make a ton of money, um, which industry do you think gets more affected by these types of fights? Well, the way you just laid it out, I guess both, uh, just for different reasons. Um, Yeah, if MMA guys, I mean, Ngannou just won the lottery, like in a huge way, like as you you just described it. So from, from that perspective, if... MMA guys can lure the top boxers into the ring and make these giant paydays. You know, God bless them. It's a great business move, uh, even if they're going to get their behinds handed to them, which is what will happen in this fight. Uh, from a boxing standpoint, I guess it's the same thing. From a business standpoint, it makes it makes sense. If uh, No risk, big gain. That's what it's all about. Um, it's not supposed – the thing is it's not supposed to be no risk. It's, it's, supposed, it's supposed to be some risk. Otherwise, it's not a competitive fight. But – if there's a demand out there for it, it's like Jake Paul. I mean, he's not very good at what he does, but there's a demand out there for him. He makes millions of dollars. 
uh, God bless them. You know, I've, I've said it a million times. I'm a capitalist. Uh, if there's a demand, give it to them. Mm-hmm. And come fight night, you know, when, when there's a big fight, right? You have an idea of what you think the way the fight's going to go. And then when it starts, no matter what you feel, you still get that little tingle in your body and, and you get a little nervous. Um, do you think all of us will maybe, you know, as much as we're, we we talk about this fight and how it's one-sided, come fight night, right when they're about to get ready to fight, do you think we'll all feel a little different, like a little bit of that puncher's chance, any of that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's no question that we'll feel that way. I mean, I, I really, I wrote a lot about what a joke the the Mayweather McGregor fight was, but once the, the they made their ring walks and, and the and the opening bell rang, you know I was into it. You know I wanted to see what was what would happen. And actually, as I'm watching it unfold, it was kind of hard to figure out what I was seeing because uh, McGregor did last longer than I thought he would. Uh, and then I realized after the fact what I think happened was is that Mayweather kind of approached it like a regular fight. You don't just rush to the guy and try to knock him out. That's Plus, that's not his style. You know, he kind of like had a game plan. He followed the game plan and knocked the guy out. I think that's what he wanted to do. Uh, and I think that's pretty much what's going to happen with this fight. I don't think Fury's going to knock him out, necessarily knock him out in the first round. I think Fury's going to uh, he's going to have a game plan, even in this situation, and he's going to do his thing, but he's going to do it methodically. So uh, I think it'll be fascinating to answer your question. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch and see how this unfolds. Here's what I find fascinating is – I brought up puncher's chance, right? But Tyson Fury got hit with a punch that came from the seventh layer of hell, and he just sat up like The Undertaker, right? If Nganu does land that monstrous punch, it doesn't necessarily mean the night's over, right? I mean, Tyson Fury has been kind of known. He, he can be knocked down, but he gets back up, right? I always say it doesn't matter if you go down. It's whether you get, you get uh, back up again. But here's the thing. Um, Deontay Wilder might be the hardest puncher in the history of boxing. Uh, and he really nailed, uh, I don't know how many times has he put, I'd have to go back and look, he's put him, put Fury down multiple times and he's got up every time. So number one, he, he got hit by the biggest puncher in the world. Number two, he did get up. Uh, he died. He has a good chin. He's got incredible recuperative powers. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, nobody else, I don't think anybody else would have gotten up from some of those shots, but he did. So yeah, even if he gets them, that doesn't mean he's going to knock him out. Prior to the interview, I was trying to get as much info as I could about this, you know, 12 rounds, 10 rounds, exhibition or not. Here's one thing I'm having trouble understanding. It says the fight's to be contested under traditional boxing rules. It says with knockdowns permitted over the course of 10 three-minute rounds. What does that mean, knockdowns permitted? How can they stop a knockdown from happening, I guess, if someone hits someone and it's a knockdown? Does it just mean that the fight's not over and they can get up? Honestly, I've never heard that in my life. Um, mm. Yeah, I've never heard. I've never heard of that. I think it, my assumption would be what you just assumed that if a guy gets knocked down, they're not going to stop the fight. Uh, very okay. strange. Very strange wording. It almost makes me think that a, a non-boxing person sort of put those rules together. It was on an MMA website, so there's a good chance yeah. that's exactly what happened. All right, last question. Since we have you, one of the big boxing matches that we've anticipated for a long time, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford is coming up. Give us your uh, thoughts on it, whether it's a breakdown or just the magnitude of this fight. This should be a a really, really good one. Uh, And and it's, I think we're less than a month away, just a couple weeks away, if I'm not mistaken. July 29. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fabulous matchup 
um, from a competitive standpoint. I mean, I they're in, I have uh, Crawford number one pound for pound, and I think I have uh, Spence four. So you don't usually see guys that good facing each other uh, in the ring like this. Um, for hardcore fans, it's just heaven. Uh, I, you know, the, the Gervonta Davis, uh, Ryan Garcia really caught fire because those yeah. guys have social media following. It wasn't as good a fight, and those guys aren't as far along as, as Crawford and Spence. So I'm not 100% sure it's going to do that well, um, you know, from an audience standpoint, but it might. It also might catch fire, too, because I think people get how good of a fight it, what it is. So uh, as a fan myself, and I've been a fan a long time, this is just fabulous. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than this. And and I sort of cherish these rare moments because they just don't happen very often. As far as the fight itself, uh, it's it's like a 50-50 fight, which is part of the reason that it's so fascinating and so exciting. But uh, I'm a Crawford guy. I think Crawford still is probably the best fighter in the world. Um, he, I don't see a weakness. I think he's... Uh, He's got the natural gifts. He's got the ability. He's got power. Uh, he just has everything. Uh, I think that this is a really, really tough fight for him, but I think he finds a way to win the fight. But I won't be the slightest bit surprised if Spence wins because Spence is – if he's behind Crawford, he's only behind by this much. So uh, I couldn't be more excited. This is about as big as it gets, about as good as, as, good as it gets in boxing. Michael Rosenthal, as always, thank you for coming on the MMA Junkie Radio podcast to enlighten us about the sweet science. And I guess as we get closer to the fight, maybe uh, we can have you back on so we can kind of button up those details that will slowly come in before these two big guys meet up in October on, on the 28th. Thank you. Let's as always. do it again. We can also do it after. It would be interesting to talk about it after. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you, All Michael. Right, Take care. Take care. All right. yeah. Thank you. All right. So Mike clears up. Michael clears one thing up. He says the fact that it's 10 rounds, three minutes each, that means there won't be a title at stake. But it doesn't mean that it can't be professional, a professional match, match versus an exhibition match. The McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight was a professional boxing match. Um, McGregor's now 0-1, and, and uh, Mayweather went to 50-0. How they got them approved is beyond me. I, I think I remember the McGregor camp having to argue that he's just been well-versed in boxing because it's part of his training for mixed martial arts. But um, there won't be a title here at stake. I, I just think that if he beats Fury anyway, I think we'll all kind of anoint him as mm -hmm. some sort of a boxing champion. So he may not have a belt, but he'll have the credit. So I'm I'm looking at a couple of things here, and it looks like Deontay Wilder might have made 28 million to start against mm -hmm. Tyson Fury, and then he took home uh, pieces of the pay per view, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, boxing gets most of theirs kind of up front, and uh, I'm happy for them that they that they do do that. That's pretty significant, and they usually get 80 percent of the revenue from a fight, and the promoter gets 20 percent. As you know, in MMA, it's the flip side. The UFC, you know, they don't even pay their fighters. Their, uh, 18%, I think, was the last number I saw. And now I heard with as much as they've been making, it may be as low as 13%. But, um, yeah, I, I hope he makes 80 million, 60 million, 50 million. But I, something tells me it'll be no less than 20. So that's a good starting point for him. And, uh, and yeah, maybe maybe it goes over that. How do, I mean, I don't know how. I mean, see, do you think McGregor and Mayweather 
will help it sell more because it was kind of a blowout at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. I think we kind of been taught our lesson. Well, like, well, it's not really going to be competitive, but right. McGregor and Mayweather are showmen. Whereas these two, Fury's a showman, and Gane, I'm not so sure he's a showman. Like, I don't remember him being a pay-per-view star in MMA, but, I mean, he is a physical force, and hopefully with the right promotion, this can become, you know, a big fight. Yeah, I think that's it. I think the promotion's just going to be very very heavy on MMA versus boxing, right? The, the top guy in MMA versus the top guy in boxing. When do we ever get to see this? And their heavyweights, all it takes is one shot versus all of us having that feeling of, well, how the hell is Connor going to outbox Mayweather? That's just not going to happen. And if he does land a power shot, well, very few guys have landed power shots on Floyd. It was just such an uphill battle. I think here, because they're heavyweights, uh, a lot of people, a lot of our friends at barbecues are going to say, he's got a chance, man. You never know. The good thing is it happens fairly quickly. So let me see, August, September, October. I mean, really, three and a half months, this thing gets done. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Kind of like what we were saying about DDP versus Adesanya. Hey, at least we only have to live with two months of this ugliness of what could be black versus white, if that's where they're headed. Or maybe they pour fire and all that, and they just make it a great matchup between two middleweights. And the winner can just boast being the hottest thing from Africa, you know, which is kind of would be pretty cool um but yeah it is happening pretty quick remember for a while there we were thinking holy cow he might have to take a tune-up fight and then the real boxing match wouldn't be till 2024 and that's when he's going to fight in mma and so all that would almost make him two years removed from his last competition which was the win over surreal gone in uh january of 2022 so we were pushing a year and a half without big fran in our lives mm-hmm yeah Hey, um, last week we kind of ran out of time, so let's do it now, and then we'll get to our next guest. Raul Rosas will be our next guest. Um, McGregor's team's down 7 nothing, dude, against Chandler. And poor guy can't catch a break. Like, the veterans are just, you know, outfoxing the up-and-comers. Um, in this latest matchup, Jason Knight. You know, he submitted uh, Quinones, I believe was his name, Landon Quinones. And I, yeah, I guess it was pretty easy. You know, they exchanged some punches on the feet. The fight got to the ground. And then all of a sudden, Jason Knight, you know, he's got a nice rubber guard. He attacked a little bit with like what looked like maybe uh, an arm bar with the assistance of putting his toes in the cage. But we never got to that because next thing you know, Quinones, who was still in his guard, got trapped by a, um, a uh, a triangle and that was that you know and so on the heels of last week when a little bit of mayhem broke out uh this week you know still some tension you can tell mcgregor just in the competitive juices he wants to win uh but not nothing he's he's not winning he even asked dana what happens if i get swept yeah i think that was kind of the embarrassing that was like the, the cherry on the sunday um, I mean, his his fighters go out there and they they go for it, you know. It just doesn't work out, and I think a lot of it has to do with yes, Michael Chandler and his team. Uh, you always have to look out for the magic of editing, but to me, it seems like they're really into this and they're mm-hmm. really trying to help their fighters. Uh, but what really seems to shine is the fact that they're veterans. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of the ways they're winning this fight 
comes down to the fights, sorry, comes down to veteran savvy. And I think that's what we kind of had here. You know, I, I thought Knight just kind of uh, was able to stay cool, calm and collected and was able to turn the tables where maybe a younger fighter that was put in that situation might fold. And so I think a lot of that, that being veterans has, has helped out a lot, but yeah, Connor seems like he's losing his mind out there. Yeah, and you know, I see Connor in there doing the practice and motivating his guys. He seems pretty into it. Again, that could just be a one hour, you know, every other day, but the the editing makes him look good. You know, Chandler was teasing him that he's not there for the for the guys in the regard of I guess the weigh-ins. The more I think about it, yeah, I mean it would be nice if he was there, but if he's not, he does have Kavanaugh and Owen Roddy there. Um is he in the sauna with him? I guess he's not. And I will give Chandler this. In this week's episode, I noticed that when Knight was hurt, wait, when Knight was cut, he was there with him from the beginning, you know, looking mm-hmm. at the cut and assessing it, taking him there, figuring out what the options may, may be, going to the doctor, and, you know, they glued it, right? And that was pretty cool. And then the other guy, Cody Gibson, they revealed that he kind of had tweaked his knee, and so he's going with him to the doctor there to – you know, see what's happening, and then, you know, telling them, hey, look, I, I can't tell you what to do, but these are your options. This is something that's happening in wrestling. And so what I do like is he does seem to be there 100% of the time. And what would have been nice is maybe Chandler with the young guys and McGregor with the older guys just to see if the same result would have happened uh, or not. But like you said, it could just be the veterans are just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I just I don't know if that those little extra moments that Chandler has been invested maybe the stuff that we're not even seeing like fight strategy or something like that you know but you would think one of them at least one at this point would pull it off right like it's pretty yeah. amazing that this is going down the way it is I remember it being seven zero one time and I think it finished seven one I think one I think it was Rampage and Rashad or. Something like that. It was. Uh, I know they rampage haven't had the clean sweep, but I think they've had a seven to one. Was it rampage uh, in forest? I think or forest, something. Maybe, maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, but you know, basically, let's say they do go eight and zero. Then yeah, the the semifinals with all those coaches available, they'll probably try and split them up. They might just want to stay with the same team and just have Bader on one side, Drysdale on the other, or. I don't know. I've seen Bob Cook there, and I've seen that guy's name. I always forget. I think it's Jason Manley, the guy that kind of has long hair, and he's like a striking coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe Chandler just hands off and just lets those other guys do it. Who knows? TJ had an interesting uh, approach one time. TJ Dillashaw I said, I'm going to coach you on how you would beat him, and then when I'm him, I'm going to coach him to the best of my ability on how he would beat you. But, you know. We're all grown-ups here. Let's do it. And then I've seen other guys just completely hands-off. They, they don't want to be a part of it. So I don't think there's a right and there's a wrong. But we're not there yet. It's 7 nothing. Um, <laughs> Connor's even trying some, you know, underhanded bellatory remarks. Uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of not only lobbying that at Chandler, he's lobbying it at, at the other guys as well, you know, when really they were former UFC guys that are just kind of getting a second chance. But then he refrains from it, and he seems to go in there and always shake the winner's hand and the loser's hand, say something, but you could just tell he's, like, seething, you know what I mean? He's one moment away from just 
saying, you all suck. I'm the man. You know, I'm the reason I'm here. I'm, the sport exists because of me. But so You hit the nail on the head. You, you hit mm-hmm. the nail on the head. That's exactly how he's been doing. Like, you, you have to, for as much as people give Connor shit, like, he is going in there. He is shaking everybody's hand, even the guy that beat his guy. And, mm-hmm. and it's not just like a, hey, good fight. Like, he usually says something kind of nice to the guy, you know? And, uh, but yeah, he did lose his top here in the, in the last episode and then in, in this one here a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're guest heavy today. So let's go to our next one, Raul Rosas. Let's catch up with him. As you all know, he lost his last fight uh, against Christian Rodriguez, UFC 287 in Miami. Uh, this is a pre record from Radio Row. This past week during International Fight Week, Goes and I were there over at the Las Vegas Convention Center. And we spoke with a lot of fighters. Uh, this cat was one of them, the young kid from Las Vegas. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes always deliver the big names. Today we get to talk to Raul Rosas Jr. What's going on, RRR2? What's up, man? Yo, what's up? What's up? How y'all doing? Man, we're doing great. Um, you know, we're in Vegas as well, so it's kind of disappointing that we've yet to talk to you, but we've wanted to talk to you for a while, so it's great to have you here. How are you enjoying the expo so far? Uh, it's actually, I barely got here right now. I, I didn't come yesterday, so, like, uh, it looks pretty amazing. Oh, okay. So this is your first day. You haven't, you haven't walked around to meet the fans yet? No, no, no. Like, I haven't even, like, done anything. Like, I barely came. I was in... Uh, Kyrgyzstan, I barely landed yesterday. I was out I was out for a month, so like I barely came back. What are you most excited for this week? Um, the fights themselves or mingling with the fans? Do you have anything lined up, by the way? Are you going to be on that stage or anything? No, nah, I don't think I'm going to be on that stage. Like I said, uh, I barely came back from uh, outside the country, but I'm excited to see Rodriguez and Moreno get those belts. You know, it's going to be a historic moment for Mexico. Yeah, now let's talk about you. Your last fight didn't go your way. It's your first loss. Do you feel... What are the positives that can come out of that? We've often talked to fighters who feel less pressure, or maybe their ego calmed down a bit, two steps back, or one step back, two steps forward. You know, we've heard a lot. How are you taking it, and what did you learn? Um, nothing changed. Uh, the only thing that changed was my record. And the people around me, like a lot of, I, I took a lot of stuff out of it. Um, of course, nobody likes to lose. So I'm not going to say, like, I'm glad it happened. But it happened, you know, and things happen for a reason. Um, so I, t- I took out the grid from it. I think it was more for myself, like the people around me. And, like, more than anything, I feel like I just, like, no excuses, but I couldn't show up and perform. So I'm working on that because my job is to be able to show, show up and perform and give it my best, even if I lose. Like, if I, uh, I would have liked to at least be able to put on a show for the people, like a better show. So I would have been I would have been glad to be able to show, like, 100%, uh, whether the result, like, I just would have liked to put on a better show for the people and, like, show, like, what I got, you know. But things happen for a reason. So now I went back to the drawing board. I saw what caused me to not be able to show up that night. And because, like I said, that's my job. So I just... I faced a lot of things, like the people around me, uh, my training, 
everything. So, you know, I can't wait for the next one. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the drawing board. Um, is that something that you were able to do, like, at the end of the fight? Were you already kind of figuring out, okay, this is what went wrong? Or was this something more where you had to go back and watch film, watch it over and over again? How did you uh, assess the situation after that? I had to go back and really think about it. Like I said, um, I didn't, like, yeah, I saw the film and everything, but um, it wasn't, I feel like it just wasn't much about the fight. It was more, like, about myself. So I went back and see, like, what caused me to to feel the way I, I felt that night. So I'm, I'm able to fix it for the next one, you know, that way the next fight I can be able to show up and perform. Um, I, did, I did do a lot of mistakes in this fight, uh, so I learned a lot from that and also like what caused me to not be able to show up in the fourth. Yeah, you mentioned, I think you said Kyrgyzstan, right? In the beginning, that's where you just came back from. We've actually been there. Um, Valentina Shevchenko's from there. Yeah. Talk about some of the training. I imagine that you went for training, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that like out there? So I just went back to my wrestling coach. Uh, he's from Russia, but we met in uh, Kyrgyzstan um, because like a uh, I don't know. I didn't know any wrestling. The only, the only wrestling I knew, I learned in um, like a month. So like I knew like it was he was really good because all the wrestling I know I learned in a month thanks, thanks to him. So we went back and trained for another month, and he helped us improve in a lot of positions that I could have done better for my last fight and just in general. So I feel I feel great about it. We were tripping out when we were out there because. We went on a military tour, so it was a stop on the way to Afghanistan. And obviously, it looks like Kyrgyzstan when you get there, although they did pull machine guns on us. But when you did, you happen to go to any of the malls? It felt like it was just back at home. It was it was the strangest thing, man. Nah, I just uh, I had to stop in Turkey, and that's it. Like like from here mm -hmm. to uh, Turkey, but the airport in Turkey like threw me off a little bit. It's like yeah. a, it's like a shopping mall at the same time. So like <laughs> it was. That was too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Raul, okay, so now moving forward, do you have any scenarios in mind? Have you been able to talk to the matchmakers? What What do you think is uh, coming up next? Um, just another fight. Like I said, um, we're still chasing the dream. Um, so I'm right now I'm just working hard and ready for what's next. Um, for my next fight, It should be I should be announcing it soon. Um, and I should be getting a fight soon, so I can't wait to be able to go back in this year and put on a show for the people well i think you're a beast and i know every fighter in here would hope that they were as good as you are at this age that they had been at that age so i think you're way in advance and that last fight it didn't go your way but you showed some skills where i i can tell man there's a lot to build on and now hearing that really that the wrestling is still in the infancy stage Man, I can only imagine what you're going to be like, you know, in a few more years. So keep at it. Keep your head up. Thank you. But like I say, uh, what, what you've done, only Rory McDonald, I think, showed us something as early as you did. And obviously, he just went into the Hall of Fame. So that's kind of high praise. But keep doing your thing, Raul. Thank you so much. I will. Thank you, man. Well, I know he's from Vegas, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him in person. I, I don't think I've ever ran into him until that time. No, I haven't. I, I haven't really seen him around town. He he's been at the Sticky Pot Studio before. Yeah, but never when we when we're there. Yeah, he seems like a nice kid, but he also just seems like a kid. Um, he's we're eighteen run now. Him at a bar, right, or a club? 
What? Not that we go a lot. Not that we go a lot, but we're not going to run into him at a bar or a club, right? No, we're not going to run into him there. And it just seems like he's still kind of growing up, but he's going to grow up in our sport doing his thing. I wish him the best. Um, that fight was one where I saw some potential, man. Seriously, that first round, he was putting it on Christian Rodriguez. But then Christian Rodriguez kind of weathered that storm, and then all of a sudden that thing got flipped pretty quickly. But Raul Rosas does look like a beast, you know, early on with his jiu-jitsu, with his grappling. But, hey, like I said, he's 18 years old. Um, what did we just finish saying for the last 10 minutes before we had this guy on? That the veterans are besting the young guys in tough. There's something to be said for all that experience. So, and I, I think this was a maybe a little bit of a case of that. Now, look, Rodriguez only has, I think, two more fights than Raul Rosas, but he's also... 25 Raul Rosas is 18 and so there's a little bit of that maturity you know what I mean a little bit of that man strength that one guy could have over someone else mm -hmm. yeah that's true plus to be fair in, in two more fights Raul Rosas will be better so those two fights could possibly uh be making a difference I don't know nice kid though nice kid um we have more of those that are going to be available on future shows. And then don't forget, you can go to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. And you can see in full length the interviews that we did, not only there, but that we do all the time, including our spinning back click show, which is starting to really pop, folks. And hopefully it's thanks to some of you that not only listen to MMA Junkie Radio, but you watch spinning back click. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's every Monday. It's kind of a, a news show with a panel, uh, usually two of our junkie colleagues, along with myself and goes. We discuss the biggest news in MMA, kind of different takes from all of us. So like how goes and I were talking about uh, Nganu right now, you know, and, and, and his successes and what he's done and just kind of getting other perspectives and other opinions. Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Check it out. And then let me just tell you right now that um, on the 29th of July, we will be hosting a watch-along for UFC 291. The main event that night will be Justin Gagey versus, Dust, uh, Justin, Gagey versus Dustin Poirier. Uh, main co-main event, Jan Bohovic versus Alex Fajeda. So just like we were with you guys this past Saturday, we'll do it again. And we had a blast. And trust me, we were tired as shit. When we sat down to do that watch along, but man, once the fight started, it was awesome. It was really, really a fun night of fight. So hopefully you guys uh, join us for that. Because I don't know if you noticed, but Chael Sonnen, you know, he had that incident at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in 2021. It seems like he's cleared things up slowly but surely. Today he reached a plea agreement in the alleged hotel uh, uh, case attack or whatever it was called, attack case. Um. And so he had kind of all these misdemeanor charges and a possible felony, and slowly they got reduced. Some got um, waived or whatever it's called, and so or dismissed, I should say. And so now it appears that that's all kind of out in the clear. But if you notice, Chell hasn't been a part of too many broadcasts. He's been doing some hosting stuff or BKFC and a, a few things, a few of the matchups like that involved boxing. Like I saw him, I remember one time when Anderson Silva was going to box. I guess it was Jake Paul. He was doing that, but he hadn't really been doing uh, some, you know, any anything like on ESPN or whatever. I think it was all due to this, but it looks like this might finally be behind him. Yeah, good because I think uh, MMA needs a guy like him 
because even though he w- spent the majority of his career in the UFC, he kind of calls it the way it is. He doesn't really tote that Dana White line. Mm-hmm. And um, I enjoy that. You know, it's a guy that can kind of talk about just about anything. Like you mentioned, even boxing. Uh, I think he, he's really talented and I think the sport's better off with him. Yeah. Now there is one civilian lawsuit for again the alleged incident that took place where he beat up some guys, some guys from a couple security guards got, you know, smacked as well. But then there was this one couple that was suing him because they said they they were just kind of like in the hallway when all this was going down and all of a sudden he turned his focus on them and so there, I believe that still is going on, but those aren't criminal charges. That looks like it's a couple that's trying to just directly sue him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, I don't know if that's still ongoing or where it's at, but at least as far as the other stuff, it looks like he's kind of cleared a lot of it. There is a fine he's going to have to pay, but uh, he might be nearing the end or or maybe nearing the end there. Now, he hasn't spoken too much about any of that, so... Uh, I don't know if he will or just kind of leave it be, but it's pretty big news because, again, Chael's been a very polarizing figure in our sport, one of the greatest heels ever, if not the best heel ever. And basically what he did to make the Anderson Silva, the figure of Anderson Silva even bigger is kind of what Connor did to make Jose Aldo, you know, he, he provided a rivalry there, you know, and it, um, yeah. Even though Anderson bested Son and, you know, Connor kind of got over on Aldo. And so that's kind of a, a little bit of a blueprint of what you might see nowadays where someone's poking at the other guy. But in, in reality, they're doing them some good. Uh, they just don't realize that at the time Anderson used to hate Chael. And now you can see them kind of hug it out and realize, okay, we've made a lot of money together. I, I, I guess we saw a little bit of that with Colby and Camaro as well, you know, most recently. Yeah, the dude, uh, I mean, he's definitely left his mark on mixed martial arts and kind of, in a way, you could say he's changed the game, right? You could look at maybe a guy like Conor McGregor and say maybe he took some cues from a guy like Chael Sonnen. Yeah, exactly. Um and like Ghost says, you can get a lot of it. Go to Chael Sonnen YouTube. He's got a YouTube page where he kind of does these like five to ten minute videos on different subjects. Um, he's actually pretty much <laughs> given Francis Ngannou a lot of props and praise, as has Daniel Cormier, almost apologetically because they thought things weren't going well. And look, a lot of us didn't think that. Um, but yet he's kind of just saying, hey, look, looks like this guy gives the W. Uh, all credit to him. Um Okay, lastly goes just just a couple more things. Um, how about did you see Israel Adesanya and Alex Volkanovsky? It looks like they flew to Lake Tahoe and they've been training with Zuckerberg. Israel Adesanya had a great post. He said, training to whoop two South Africans. And yeah, Elon Musk is from South Africa. And as you know, um Israel Adesanya looks like he's next for uh DDP. But did you happen to catch that? Yeah, that was funny. I mean, dude, when you got money like that, I'm sure you can pretty much make anything happen. But that uh, that was that was funny to watch. What do you think those guys got paid? Uh, maybe twenty G's or something. 
What are the odds that you're gonna see something bigger than that? I, I, well, because the thing is, I, I so off the record, mm-hmm. I've heard some of these paydays that some of these fighters get to go out and, and train with the sheiks and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Those numbers are way higher than what I just said right now. Mm-hmm. But this was just one ses- session, right? Like I, I think they were only there one day, so um, I would think something like that, maybe, maybe even a little lower. Yeah. I was thinking more because, like, I think the Encore hosted one of the post-fight parties. I think it may have been Volkanovski or something. I could see them maybe getting, like, fifty to 100000 just for that. And so for these guys to, like, hey, I just want a title. Like, I want to fight, go back to Australia, spend some time with my family. I think this guy had to at least throw in six figures at, at them, 100000 each. Um, now look, he doesn't have to because he's Mark Zuckerberg, and so for them, they're probably like, dude, I'd just like to be pals with this guy. Yeah, so maybe maybe it wasn't that high. I don't know, but I was gonna say no less than a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was maybe there's also that other side that you just kind of want to rub uh elbows with a billionaire, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get to our next interview. Josh Emmett, he just came off a huge fight with Elia Toporia. And yeah, the judges' scorecards almost make it sound like it was uh, one-sided. And look, at portions of the time, it was. But man, there was some times where these guys were just putting on a show, throwing down. I really loved it. At the end, I guess, Topoya kind of would pull away every round. And that's why maybe you got some of these lopsided scores. But Emmett's a beast, one of the toughest mofos out there. And we caught up with him at Radio Row. Going on, Junkie Nation, gorgeous Georgian goes, always bringing you the top stars in the sport of mixed martial arts. Josh Emmett joins us again here on Junkie Radio. How are you, Josh? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. You recover great, man. You look great. Dude, it's it, it's a fight, you know. It's uh I got this light complexion, you know, I have no hair on my head or my my face, so it's like I can't I can't hide this. So it's like I get punched, scar tissue breaks open, I bleed, I swell. Um, after a few days, the swelling goes down. A week later, I get my stitches removed, and yeah, I'm ready to do it again. Guess where I think your next fight should be? What's that? Guess where I think your next fight should be? Vegas. The fucking Roman Coliseum. Dude, you're a gladiator, man. That's yeah. one of the toughest performances. No, I said that wrong. You're one of the toughest guys I've ever seen. That's one of the most impressive performances of sheer will that I've seen in a long time. Like I have a lot of respect for MMA fighters, but you're up there, man, with all some of the other great performances I've seen in my lifetime. Cool, thank you. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things, you know, I I want to have these these crazy gutsy fights. I want to have like you, we saw Robbie Lawler got and Roy McDonald got inducted into the Hall of Fame for that type of fight. And that's the fight I'm looking for. You know, I want to go out, put on for the fans and, and just people to see my, you know, just tenacity and, and just that resilience and just always being relentless, looking to finish the fight. Like, I, and I'm not just saying it when I, like, I'm willing to go whatever to get my hand raised and uh, oh, I, tell, I will never quit. You're like, a gladiator, you, brother. But it, it's like, I, I won't quit. You have to put me out in order for me like, finish me. You know, otherwise I'm gonna keep on coming. I wish there was no time limit, actually. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting to say that. Um, so let me tell you something. Your fight 
it, it got a lot of coverage from our side, a lot of conversation. So since we have you, hopefully we can just kind of put the icing on the, 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 the controversial subject that came up, which was obviously the end. Like you said, you do all top, you do cut off because of the, the tissue, a little more sensitive maybe than other fighters. I don't know. Um, and I, my thing was this. As I was watching the fight live, I said, you know what? Maybe the corner could stop it. I, although I did say, I told my brother, I go, maybe they tell him, let's see what you give us the first 30 minutes, sorry, 30 seconds to a minute. Otherwise, we might consider this. And then all of a sudden, you came out like a bat out of hell in round five. Your ability to recover was amazing. Your ability to capture what the what your corner was telling you, your focus. I mean, there was so many impressive things right there. But in the end, what would have happened if, if the corner would have stopped it? Would you have held it against them, or would you have respected their wishes? I would have been pissed. Um, no, my coaches know me great. You know, they, they know me so well, and especially Joey Rodriguez and uh, – man and no point like it looks optically it looks it looked worse you know what i mean like i was i wasn't rocked in the fight i wasn't um even when he was on me hitting me he wasn't it wasn't like hard hard shots where it was like it just looked worse than it actually was so i would have been pissed they know that but uh yeah there's i don't know there's no there's no quit like i i've been in fights where i've won and been a lot more i guess you could say like i've been concussed i've had a lot more damage um and i've won the fight yeah like i'm i'm completely fine it just it looked worse did you understand our viewpoint fans and media or did you think we were out of line you can be honest no no i like i saw some stuff with people saying like i should have stopped the fight there there was actually fighters watching cage side you know like jamal hill was there lightweight champion bobby green i was just talking to bobby back and he's like man you were right in it the whole time like we thought it was a lot closer i thought that the fight was closer than the judges scored yeah. it. I, I didn't agree so did with we. the ten. I didn't agree with the ten seven round. This is one of the greatest fights I've seen, man. Seriously. Okay, thank yeah. you. I, I didn't agree with ten seven round. I just thought it was closer, except the fourth round. I was just, I was physically pissed, or not physically. I was just pissed, and that's why I was walking around like saying, like, oh, fuck, because I, I knew it was like a, probably a ten eight round, uh, just because I got dropped and it was on top of me. So I was more mad about that because I knew it was kind of. I thought it was a closer fight, one through three, and then I know I'm like fifth round i have danny and they're just hey go out there and you got five minutes to finish this go out there swinging they, they know i can finish the fight at any moment and uh so i so i did exactly that and it just didn't work out josh we've covered you for a long time so i know that you probably want to get back in there and just get going again that's why i'm going to bring this up a second ago giga was sitting here giga chikatsu and he was talking about i can't find anyone to fight me what would you think of a fight like that? I mean, it seems like uh, fireworks written all over it, a good matchup. I, I, I kind of feel it. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, you never know. I'm, I'm going to talk to my managers. I'm going to talk to, you know, Hunter and, and uh, the matchmakers and hopefully uh, get something going. You know, like I always want to get in there. I want to stay as active as possible. I want to stay consistent. So um, I fought 11 days ago. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely like to get back in there. I want to give a little bit of shine to Danny Castillo, Uriah Faber, Chris Holdsworth. I don't think they get talked about enough. Their Joey, strategy. Joey Rodriguez. Joey Rodriguez, their strategy, uh, their inspiration that they give fighters. Can you maybe talk about how much they've uh, evolved as a team, as a coaching staff? Yeah, it's, uh, you, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, they, they've been at the, the highest level. They're, they're so good. They paved the way for us and now just stepping 
changing or pivoting and becoming coaches. And, and I feel like there's a lot of, you know, you get coach of the year and all these type of stuff, but a lot of our coaching staff, they're not, they're not in this discussion, uh, which I think they should be. Danny Castillo's in like everyone's corner. The guy's flying all over the world every week. And then Chris Holdsworth and Joey and like, and Uriah, like, they, they do so much, put in so much, uh, you know, effort and time into the fighters, and it, it takes away from their life. You know, they're missing like weddings, like birthdays, all these type of things, just so they can, you know, help us become successful. And I and I feel like, you know, they they should be in, be in the discussion for the coaches of the year and stuff like that. So uh, they they don't get enough credit, but they they deserve it, and, and I appreciate them so much. Josh, I feel like at this point in your career, you have every right to say, this is what I want. This is where I want it. If they go, Josh, what's your perfect scenario? What would you like to do moving forward? Uh, do you have maybe like a location, a date, a time frame, something like that? Yeah, well, I kind of want to say local. I want to fight Vegas, you know. Uh, uh, in December? It's, it's a 50-minute uh, flight. And uh, unless I can fight at the Coliseum, like you said, I'll do that. That'd be a fuck with this. Uh, but yeah, I want to make some money too. You know, I want to, I want to negotiate a contract. You know, I, I need to get back in the win column, but I, I want to make some money. You know, and I want to stay consistent. And if I ended the, when I decide to hang, hang up the gloves and retire, you know, I, I want it to all be worth it. You know, uh, just for all the, you know, I put so much into to this game and. So we'll see. I just got to talk to everybody and uh, we'll figure out what's next. Josh, um, one last thing. I hope you get all show money from here going forward. You deserve it, man. And it's your business whether you want to share if you do or don't. But it, it, it's I'm, I'm getting tired of seeing main events that go five rounds. Both guys should get their show money. Get it all up front. If they have enough confidence in you guys to um, put you there, then they should have enough confidence to say, well, this like this guy's not a he's not gonna dog it, he's gonna give us everything he has, which is exactly what you did, man. I hope you get show money and a lot of money going forward. Thank you. I agree. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Thank you for the time. Thanks, guys. All right, so there you have it, folks. There's Josh Emmett. Seems to be in good spirits, goes, and it doesn't seem like he wants to retire anytime soon. Uh, even though remember he was taking those gloves off pretty fast that day, but uh, I think he just wanted to, you know. Uh, not relax. I don't know what you do after a fight. Decompress, I guess, or, or, or you know, just kind of move on from from the uh, the fight. If there, you got to point me to in the direction of a guy who is more positive than Josh Emmett. I mean, that guy, like, even at a time where, to be honest, like that, that yeah, he had his moments, but that he took a beating. He really did, and he lost his status, right, where he was. That's going to take time to build. Mm -hmm. But that dude was, like, happy, and he was, let's just get right back at it. Let's do it again. And we were all under the impression that maybe that, that could have even been it for him, you know? So I got to give that dude his props, man. Uh, anytime I see him pop up on a on a sheet, a UFC uh, bill, I'm down. Uh, like, I don't even really care who he's fighting. And that's the way he wanted it, folks. He wanted to fight in round five and that's why he came out like a bat out of hell um i know a lot of people felt like hey maybe they should stop this or like what i said hey give it a minute if it's not going good then stop it but you know he finished the fight and um but he says it's just bumps and bruises he's light-skinned so he just says he cuts easy so uh he's like don't worry about it i'm good all right guys so to close the show 
How about this? One of the biggest stars ever, Ronda Rousey, a fighter today, uh, Chelsea Chandler, teased a possible return of Ronda Rousey at 145 pounds. So this is Chelsea Chandler kind of just telling reporters about this, that she's coming back at 145 pounds. That's just kind of what she's been hearing. And uh, so Chandler, I think, is kind of like, you know, trying to get get in on this a little bit. Maybe the lady that I guess would greet her there. Who knows? But she's got Norma Dumont ahead of her. But this was pretty big, pretty big news. What are your thoughts on this? The first thing that jumps out at me is I thought we were done with 145. Amanda's gone. We never really had much of a division. It was kind of on life support. So what, what's going on here? You know, normally if I see something like this pop up, I kind of laugh, but when she said 145 and I thought about it from the UFC's perspective, as long as you're 100% sure Amanda Nunes ain't coming back, because to me, Ronda Rousey was broken mentally, physically and mentally, Mm -hmm. and um, I don't think she ever wants to see anybody of that caliber of, of Amanda Nunes again. If you bring her back at 145, and you take in consideration that you could maybe get Kayla Harrison as well. Uh, that might be a fight that Ronda would be interested in, right? You could sell it as two uh, judokas with Olympic medals, right? And it's not like uh, like Ronda would really have to contend with the most feared striker out there, right? That might be interesting, and you might be able to hold on to... Uh, you give Ronda a fight that you you pretty much think she's going to win, and then maybe you set up that type of fight, and that's like another year and a half or two years of uh, pulling out some more Ronda Rousey money out of fans and in the UFC. Maybe, yeah. I would love to see Ronda Rousey versus Kayla Harrison, but they're pretty close friends from the judo world. That doesn't mean they won't fight. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not saying it would be Natan Schultz and Roush Manfio, but I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of things have to happen. For one, Ronda or Kayla Harrison was a free agent one time, and she couldn't come to terms with the UFC. And so it, they tried it one time. Apparently, maybe she was just asking for too much or who knows what. But, um, you know, let's see how things work out with PFL and trying to be a, a pay-per-view star there. I guess, look, if it happens, it happens. I was more excited at Ronda possibly returning at 135 because all of these girls are throwing their names in the hat. Raquel Pennington wants to fight there for the title. Um, Holly Holmes says she wants to fight for the title. You know, she's got this fight coming up here against Silva, like we were saying. And then Juliana Pena, vocal, vocal. She wants a part of this. Um so Misha Tate even said, you know, she's going to close out at 135 pounds. And she feels like because she's got a a name, uh, if she wins one fight, she should be considered. So it's going to be a nice little run at the Bantamweight title. But I think they had their chance at 145 pounds, and it just kind of failed. And if Ronda comes back, I don't see her doing more than two fights, I guess. So... I, I, I'd actually be more pumped about a ultimate fighter with 16 atom weights. And then we just crown one at the very end. I think I'd be more excited than that. And let the 145s just live over at PFLator or Bellator and the PFL. They seem to have 
you know, more stuff kind of going on over there. Uh, but yeah, plus this could just be a long shot. Maybe she was just talking shit. Who knows? But it it, it did create some news today if, uh, amongst fans on social media. It was interesting. Yeah, it is. There's, there's a lot of uh, that would be very, very interesting because you think, all right, Amanda's gone. That's it. Like, why not just put that final nail in the coffin at 145? It can be done at any moment. Mm-hmm. So you do sit there and think, well, maybe there is some validity to this, right? Maybe maybe that's why we haven't heard that official announcement. Yeah. He goes, one last thing real fast, just because I think this is pretty big. The PFL announces that they're working with USADA. That's huge. Um, Pantoja kind of caught up with Danny Segura and Mike Vaughn, I believe. And he kind of explained a little bit about that whole, hey, I was working with Uber Eats. And I know that could wind up being a big deal because obviously fighter pay gets criticized. But he kind of cleared that up there. Uh, and Kevin Lee retired. You know, he was a good friend of the show and he officially retired. So, folks, I point to you to go to MMA Junkie. There's so many stories that sometimes we just can't even get to. Uh, and you know, we have all the details regarding that PFL and their playoffs in New York. Dominic Cruz kind of coming at Steve Miocic. The Kurt Holabaugh Tough 31 Chronicles are big, but goes just let me get a thought from you real quick on Kevin Lee retiring. I think he he said something that kind of sticks out, and it's just he feels like he's done a lot for the sport, but it's just not there anymore. And and you don't want people fighting if they're not feeling that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know Kevin has has kind of shared his struggles, and I think maybe that is the the best move. You know, hopefully he saves some money and he's able to do some stuff. But uh, I do think MMA took a good chunk of him, and hopefully he can kind of rebuild his life a little bit and his confidence. And who knows what he he'll do next? But uh, yeah. I mean, if he said, hey, I'm sticking around for another one, I, I wouldn't have any problems with that. But I think uh, I think maybe he's getting ahead of things right now. Yeah. I can't believe that we reached that point. I remember when he was 23 years old, and he his whole thing was 25 to life. He still wasn't even 25 yet. Things were going smooth. He had a nice Mercedes. He could talk a good game. Remember, he stole on Michael Chiesa. He had a little bit of that street cred. You know, he was dressing the part. Um, And now here we are at his retirement. You know, and even his brother, Keith Lee, is having that success as kind of a food critic in his TikTok channel. But the Lee brothers were, you know, staples over there at, at Extreme Couture. And now those days seem to be over. But yeah. anyhow, um, that's our show for today, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And... Don't forget to check us out on Spinning Back Click. And again, go to the website and soak all this stuff in. There's so much there that we didn't even get to. And, you know, small details that slowly come out when we follow up on stories. I think just since we started talking, there's a little clarification on Tyson Fury. He got permission from the WEC to fight uh, uh, Nganu. And so he won't be stripped of his title, but we also kind of have figured it out. This won't be for his title. So it's just a professional boxing match between two guys that are going to get paid a lot of money. But that time of stuff, we just keep getting more and more, and we add it to the stories or produce new stories. So that's your place to go. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll check you out on the next MMA Junkie Radio. For now, go out and be a champion. Take care. <laughs>